Welcome into another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, are are you nice and rested after the bye week? Um, kind of. I don't know. I bet on games on Sunday and didn't walk away with any money. I lost like thirty bucks. I, so <laughs> I did too. I did too. I I, I had because uh, because I went through and I even did because I had been in a major cold spell. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just go through and do like a money, just like straight money line. And go, okay, Bills, they're playing the Patriots. That, you know, easy. Uh, and then what what was the uh there was there was a couple more that I was thinking, okay, easy money, easy money, easy money. And then I was, you know, all of them pretty much missed. And then I thought, you know what? I am going to just put like a small amount of money on the this would make Sam very happy parlay, aka betting against the AFC North in every single game. Obviously, I hit one of them, but it was a parlay, so it didn't matter because technically the Colts did cover against the Browns, but it it, it was not a great weekend betting. But I did enjoy getting to watch Red Zone the entire weekend. It was. It was a great time just uh, sitting back and and watching, uh, you know, not being too emotionally invested in football games on Sunday. So, yeah, uh, Bill's game really did kind of screw me. Uh, That was, uh, they were down 13 to 3 at the end of the half. And I was like, there's no way the Patriots are, are going to sustain this and, and win the football game. And, uh, you know, Bills drove down, had that touchdown. And then, you know, the Patriots uh, crushed my hopes and dreams. So <laughs> like they like to do good old they Bill do. Belichick. He's he's good at crushing hopes and dreams and and everything that goes he along. Knows, with he really that. knows how to work a video camera. You know what I mean? Like he's really <laughs> good at doing that. Just like Jim Harbaugh. Right. Do we oh. do we? Are we going to talk about college? Oh, today on the show, though, we are going to, of course, talk about the big game happening on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. Because I think that there's a lot to to look into of just how big of a game is it. And we'll talk about that because you're looking ahead and so on. Uh, It'll be an interesting discussion that we'll have. And we're also going to dive into the trade deadline uh, Mick and I both come up with some names that we could see should the Bengals break what they typically do and decide, you know what, yes, we want to make a trade. We're going to talk about some guys that we're seeing that could potentially be some of those names that they could look for. Uh, and uh, also, we're going to name some of the guys that uh, fans are going to talk about that even if the Bengals make a trade, they're, they sh- these guys either shouldn't be on the list because for a specific reason or they're not going to be on the list for specific reasons. Because I think that there's kind of like two categories of those guys because some are just because they're making way too much money. Some is based on fit and some might be like a mix of, of both of those. But uh, let's first talk about when we're talking about the Bengals trade deadline is first dive into just the philosophy of the deadline as a whole for the Cincinnati Bengals because it's it is one of the it is in the minority as far as what teams feel like especially over these last couple of years. I know I heard a stat and I think it was something like if my memory's right last year at the trade deadline 22 NFL teams were involved in some semblance of a trade. That's I mean that, that you're you're the numbers guy as well, Mick. That's a high percentage for for these yeah. teams. Yeah, uh, it seems like it was a little bit higher than uh, than usual last year. So, kind of wonder if the NFL is starting to transition to more of that MLB, NBA type of league mode where uh, they're you know they are a little more active on the trade market. 
Um, you know, you think with the whole compensatory pick thing in the draft that it's kind of easy to make up draft picks, um, you know, in the following off season. So I wonder if that philosophy is kind of sticking. But uh, the one thing that really irks me about the NFL is that their trade deadline is so early in the season compared to the other two major sports. You know, the, the, the NFL is doing their trade deadline halfway through the season. You typically see, well, you see the MLB doing their trade deadline about two-thirds of the way through the season after the All-Star break. You see the NBA doing their trade deadline probably mid-February, which is about two-thirds of the way into the season. So you're not going to see a lot of active trading usually uh, at the trade deadline, the NFL, because it's really, uh, you know, it's still not really set in stone which teams are, are still, you know, in it, which teams are are for sure out. So, and then we go to the Bengals philosophy of training. They simply don't do it. Uh, they've done, as you mentioned, uh, either last week or the week before, they've had one trade midseason where they actually acquired a player which was the Chris Smith trade in 2017. And they only had one other trade that didn't involve them acquiring a player. It involved them, uh, you know, offloading Carson, Carson Palmer off of the team in what year was that? 2012, 2011. I think it was. Yes. Cause that, that, that uh, anniversary was a couple of days ago. And I know it was funny because I, I be me being myself, being a very young and immature social media user, is I just like in all caps posted, "Bye Carson, like see ya" or something. <laughs> and it was funny because there was a a kid that lived on our street who is, I mean, at this time he was probably three or four, who was also named Carson. And across the street, one of our our, our friends, neighbors, Andy. You, you know, Andy, he commented saying, did Carson move? <laughs> Thinking that it was the kid. And I was like, no, it's Carson Palmer. And just looking back, you know, 10, 11 years ago, however long it was, it, it gave me a good chuckle. Now, they did almost pull off a midseason trade in 2016 with the Browns involving A.J. McCarron. Or was that 2017? Yeah, where One the lost facts or the facts went where, through with Hugh Jackson Bra- and so yeah, on. Where Hugh Jackson or the Browns <laughs> pulled the Browns and uh, that didn't end up happening. So, and that would have been a, a great trade too, because I think that the first round pick was uh, was being offered by the Browns to the Bengals, if I remember correctly. Or even a second or something. And it, 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 was, it was crazy when you look back on doing this. But you mentioned that the Bengals don't like to trade. And, and that's, that is well documented and so on, because... They like to, the way I describe it, is they view picks as people. So they don't like to move their picks. But you mentioned the compensatory picks, and I think that's what's going to be really interesting for the Bengals because right now it looks like they're going to get two compensatory picks. They're going to get probably a fifth-round pick and probably a sixth-round pick. That'll probably be about what that'll be, and it depends on production. There's a lot that, that goes into that. They would have potentially gotten a higher pick as well, but the Jesse Bates heading to Atlanta and Orlando Brown Jr. heading to Cincinnati kind of canceled one another wash yeah exactly into the formula so when looking at that let's just name through here on the sixth round picks in the zach taylor era you ready for this list mick Uh i'm just saying these are the guys that you would potentially see the Bengals quote-unquote trade to get somebody in acquisition for the trade deadline you've got recently andre yoshivash brad robbins trey hill chris evans 
Hakeem Adeniji, Travion Williams, Deshaun Davis, Bengals legend, and <laughs> Rodney Anderson. So that's where I'm saying is let's say insert tight end here. Mm-hmm. Just just your 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 upgrade at tight end from Irv Smith. You're obviously not trading for Travis Kelsey for a sixth round pick, but you could trade for insert. You could trade for a guy like a CJ Uzama. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's he's the guy that the Bengals are looking for, but about that skill level for maybe a sixth round pick. So that's where you kind of ask have to ask yourself the question of would you trade Andre Yoshivash? For a tight end. That's what the Bengals look at is saying they don't want to risk that. They don't look at it. Would you trade Deshaun Davis for the tight end? Because they feel like they hit more. Same thing with seventh round picks. You look, you've got Jordan Brown, Marcus Bailey, Wyatt Hubert, Jeff Gunter, and DJ Ivy. Those are some of the names there that, that the Bengals have looked at in the seventh round. And it's just asking this question, and it's kind of the philosophy question that Bengals fans, I think, kind of irks is, are those guys as important as maybe getting us a guy that will help you today? Yeah, no, they're definitely going to have to do that cost-benefit analysis there. And, uh, you know, on one hand, uh, you know, the Bengals do look at these draft picks as assets, as they, you know, as they should and as other NFL teams do. Um, now you did rattle off some names that, you know, maybe you wouldn't trade away, but you also rattled off some names that I wouldn't have minded trading away at all. Uh, Erica or Rodney Anderson or Deshaun Davis. Um, no, I, don't you got the Deshaun Davis Jersey hanging in your, uh, hanging in your closet. I don't, don't lie. Number, I don't even know what number Deshaun Davis even. Wore. I don't even know that I could tell you what position he was. Was he a uh, corner? No, I think he was defensive line, if I remember correctly. I'm gonna have to give him a Google. I love, I love random. It's like today I got a uh, somebody in the group posted name a random Bengals fullback, and obviously for me, Mick, you know exactly who I talked about. But then I saw somebody comment Fui Vacapuna, and I was like, my goodness, that is a name from the past of somebody that I completely forgot existed. Yeah, I would not have picked that name out of a hat there. Uh, that wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been on the bingo card, as uh, as a lot of people say. You are right on Deshaun Davis too. He is a uh, he's a linebacker. He was a, a linebacker. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, now that I'm seeing him, right. Auburn. Uh, so we were. It was in between us. So we can give ourselves what half a point. He was on the defensive side of the football. We were. He both was. Right. We, we knew that. And once I saw Auburn, I realized like now I can actually picture him and mm-hmm. see him playing because I was actually really excited when they picked him because I think he was one of those guys that fell into the sixth round, kind of like a Marcus Bailey where he had some injuries and so on, and they were hoping that he could... Same thing with Rodney Anderson. Because uh, I think really in the sixth round, and even in the seventh round, you're you're drafting lottery picks. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they have low a, a risk. Lottery tickets, rather. Yeah, low-risk, high-reward kind of players. Um, now, we, we kind of mentioned the, the uh, Bengals' philosophy that they don't typically trade in the middle of the season. Uh, with that being said, if there's a year for them to do it, it's got to be this year. Um, you know, this is probably the last year that the majority or the, you know a good chunk of the starters are remaining intact. You're going to offload a lot of contracts after this year. Names like Cheeto Bayouzie and DJ Reader, uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, so yeah, this is kind of your Irv Smith. <laughs> yeah, Irv Smith. So you're you're what, seeing, does he not deserve to be in that same conversation? 
No, one of these trade targets is uh, hopefully uh, that I'm mentioning is hopefully going to be Irv Smith's replacement uh, coming forward here. So uh, somebody, uh, Coy Bateman mentions Greg Dulcich, and I don't think um, actually, I mean, I don't. How's he done this year? I haven't really heard much from Greg, Greg Dulcich. But I think I think with that though, is we're moving into okay. Let's just say yes, the Bengals are going to make a trade. And to me, there are two position groups that make the most sense for them to make a trade for. Honestly, I would be very surprised if a trade came not in either running back or tight end. Agreed or disagree? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I think that those are definitely two of the positions I kind of looked at when looking at potential trade targets. And there's also other positions as well. Starting safety would uh, (laughs) would be one of them. Uh, bring me the king. Who is he talking about? Oh God, king, no, King Henry. Okay, no. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's come back to let's, Derek. Let's Henry. Derek you know, let's you, talk I, about should Derek we talk Henry. about the? Let's talk about the well, guys sure that, that Riley, we think. Yeah, that we think the Bengals shouldn't touch with a with a thirteen and a half foot pole. Now, this is us not calling these guys bad players because obviously, Derek Henry is one of the best running backs in in the uh, in the NFL. But I think yeah. Nick, we both agree that he's not a fit on the Bengals for multiple reasons. Yes, he's not a fit on the Bengals, primarily because the, the offensive scheme that the Bengals run would not fit Derrick Henry's skill set whatsoever. Derrick Henry is a smash mouth, hit the hole, run over guys, you know, he, he, he type of running back where he is primarily running in an offensive formation that is under center, which the Bengals rarely do. Um, hello, Frank. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, what else is there? Derrick Henry, um, is getting paid a lot of money that the Bengals probably don't want to, you know, pay that type of salary. And I don't even think he's a free agent after this year. Yes, he is. A, I'm almost is positive he? that he is a free him, agent. I don't see he, him on he, the 2024 he, free agents list. Here to me is the biggest reason why the Bengals will not trade for Derrick Henry. And it's all about asking price. Everybody has an asking price for them. And I think Derrick Henry would be a guy that would, at the minimum, require a third-round pick. You know, at the absolute minimum and probably a second-round pick. So that's the question is, is are you trading Cam Taylor Britt for Derrick Henry? No. Are, are you trading DJ Turner for Derrick Henry? No. And and that to me is where I just don't see the fit for for if anything else, just the price tag because I think the price tag will be for one way higher than the Bengals should pay, and also more importantly, probably more higher than the Bengals will pay. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's it's a very high profile signing there. I'm trying to pull up Derrick Henry's contract because on over the cap, he didn't show up as a 2024 free agent. Oh, that's why he his okay. So I I set the filters on the free agency to only do unrestricted free agents, and I believe Henry's contract is actually these are void years that are coming up, which I guess that's pretty much still unrestricted free agency. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, but yeah, I guess he is a free agent after this year. So, anyways, would not go after Derrick Henry if I were. Uh, the Bengals, you're you're not going to give up a high draft pick for Derrick Henry um, for only one year of production in a guy for a guy that's not necessarily a, a scheme fit 
Um, yeah, and I'll and tell you he this. He doesn't really it, offer a change of pace from Joe Mixon at all either. Here's the thing. If the Tennessee Titans would say that they want a first-round pick for Derrick Henry, I would laugh all the way. I mean, there, there's no shot that the Bengals would come even. I don't, I don't know that the Bengals would give a— NFL team at all would no. No, absolutely not. And I think another guy in this realm of somebody that, uh, you know, Paul writes in and says Henry's worth a third round pick for any team, uh, in my in his opinion, but he doesn't know anything. I, I think for the right team, because I think the team that has been tied to him a lot over these past, you know, really 72 hours is the Dolphins. And and that's an interesting team, of, but, but I still don't think either. it fits him because they're so oh. fast. And, and I think he slows them down in a realm. Yeah, I, I really don't know who the best scheme fit for Derrick Henry would be, and that's not you, really our job because we don't cover these other teams. Uh, you want to know who I think his best fit is? Who? The Tennessee Titans. <laughs> because, I mean, it's, it's like Lamar. Forever, yeah. Lamar Jackson's best fit was the Baltimore Ravens because that offense was centered around Lamar Jackson. Right now, you go down to Tennessee, guess what their offense is centered around? Derrick Henry. And that's yeah. where I think it would be really tough for a team to potentially move and trade him. Because I think one of the other guys on my list of don't even think about it, there's no shot that the Bengals are going to get him, is Darren Waller. Yeah. I know he was, I, I think, some insider. Uh, and I use that because I guess theoretically we can call ourselves insiders. Anybody can call themselves an insider, Mick. It was actually me who did this. You were the one that, that made the post saying that the Bengals were involved in talks with Darren Waller. Yep, guilty as charged. Uh, it, I blame not, you. But, yeah. <laughs> but but he was somebody that came up. And let, let's talk about this a couple of ways. For one, Darren Waller is under contract through 2026. If yeah. the Bengals, now he doesn't have any guaranteed money past this season, but he would have dead cap hits in 24 of 7.3 mil and 25, 4.9 mil, and in 26, 2.5 million. Right there, Bengals already can probably just say, nope, we are no longer interested. And then you 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 do you uh add on to that of he's injured, has an injury history, and two, he's 31 years old. Yeah. The Bengals their, their new the philosophy is yeah. No, it, it is like that. he he is quite possibly the opposite of everything this team has been centered around. Yes. I 100% agree. They were they will not go after Darren Waller. I can I can now I can probably say with certainty that they they would not do it. Now, would I be very excited if they if they somehow pulled out some sort of deal and made him a Bengal this year and it was a fair deal both sides? Would I be excited? Sure. Mm-hmm. I think that would be an exciting piece to this offense, but it it's not going to happen. Yeah, I I I just don't see that happening at all. Do you have another guy on your list of of don't even think about it? Because uh, I have another one that kind of came up, and I don't really know that it's a fit, anyways. See, I don't. Yeah, I di- I didn't really come up with the list of like, oh yeah, that people are going to be talking about trading for this guy, and obviously the Bengals shouldn't go after it because like, I don't know. I was too. I I spent too much time curating. I think what I think is a very logical, uh, you know, potential trade target list. That's uh, none of those guys. That- well, then I'll, th- I'll throw one more name on this, and then we can move on to that list of some of the guys that we think are legitimate topics. And it was one that I actually read an article, and I think the article tied the Bengals to this guy, which it was one of those, again, kind of that, like, you're an insider? Like, really? And it was Brian Burns. 
And I was like, listen, Brian Burns, great player for Carolina. It would make sense for Carolina to potentially move him. Mm-hmm. But kind of in that same realm is it's like, I don't know that it's necessarily that big of a need. And uh, Cameron, appreciate you joining us here for uh, Jungle Juice. Oh, yeah. First time thanks, viewer. Thanks for watching, Cameron. Uh, but it just that, that didn't seem like a fit to me. And it was, again, another one of those, quote unquote, insiders trying to say things. And I was just like, yeah, that that I, I think there's more of a chance of them getting Derrick Henry or Darren Waller than Brian Burns. And yeah. I don't think there's a chance of them getting any of those three guys. Yeah, especially given the needs of the team. I don't think that edge rusher is really something that you're looking for uh, a plug and play starter uh, to, to immediately come in because you have two fairly good edge rushers on the team already. If you were looking for an edge rusher, you're probably looking for a depth piece. And if you're saying, oh, yeah, we can just move Sam Hubbard down the depth chart, um, yeah, you're paying a lot of money to a guy that, that you're going to bench. It- and if we're being honest, the depth at edge is, is maybe their best good. depth on the team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is the Heck, best on the team. Their first-round pick is like the fifth or sixth off the bench right now, uh, which is which is wild. I think uh, Paul's here. lying here. Yeah, Paul is definitely lying about saying he's a first-timer. Paul, you have watched before. You're, you're an avid watcher of the other podcast, but uh, <laughs> you have watched on this one. So let's, let's talk about the position groups. So I think we mentioned running back and tight end of being the two. So do we want to go running back or tight end of some names that we think are legitimate potential ads for the Cincinnati Bengals? Which one? Yeah, let's start, with, let's start with those two positions, and then I've got four other positions that they could look to add to, uh, mostly in the depth uh, realm, but still, you know, they probably could add on to it. So let's start with, you want to go running back or tight end? How about running back? That's the first one on my list because I look down. and Everybody loves running backs. Yes, Paul, we will be on on the other podcast from the press box at, at uh, 10 Eastern as well. We talk about all sports there. But yes, go on running backs. Who's your first guy on the list? First guy on the list. And I only have one for running back and one for tight end, by the way. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I've got one name. I've got a list of six names total. One, and they're all in different position categories. My running back trade target, as I mentioned last week on the show, is Antonio Gibson, the backup running back for the Washington Commanders. Uh, Antonio Gibson has, in his third season, I believe, maybe his, nope, his fourth season. Yes, because he'll uh, be a free agent. Yes, where you know he's kind of uh, you know had the starting gig at times. Uh, the past couple of years, he's been more in that third down role as the, uh, as the pass blocking or receiving back. Uh, this year, he is not having too great of a year. I wonder how much of that has to do with Eric Bieniemy's scheme that he's implemented into uh, the commander's offense. But um, Antonio Gibson has provided uh, that third down back role and has provided that skill set that we both kind of agreed that the Bengals are desperately needing. Um, he's an elite. He is elite at pass blocking. Uh, he's graded top five in pass block in each of the past two or three seasons. Uh, very good receiver. He was a receiver coming out of college. He was transitioned to the running back role. Um, it's an interesting point here, mate. That is like an interesting point. I, I, you know, and I don't disagree with that necessarily. But are you going to trust Antonio Gibson in the backfield, or you more than you're going to trust Travion Williams or? Chris Evans or Chase Brown? And I'd say the answer is yes. If we're being honest, I mean, we can 
say anything we want about Joe Mixon, but this is one thing Joe Mixon does not have. He does not fumble the football. That is true. True. Now, it also helps when you're only getting two yards of carry that uh, you don't have much room to move forward to, to potentially fumble the ball, but but still. Yeah. So I think Antonio Gibson would be a, a good fit for the offense. Yeah, the fumbles could be an issue. Uh, but I think the Bengals are pretty good at coaching up their players to avoid fumbling the ball. I don't think we've really seen any. Have we seen a fumble this year? Not counting Burrow. I don't uh, think we have. You better knock on some wood right there. Yeah, I don't yeah I'll knock on one for that for sure. But I don't think we've seen a fumble this year. No, I, I, I don't crazy. think we have either. A couple more names that I have here on the list as far as running back goes is Zach Moss is an interesting one. Uh, because now that Jonathan Taylor has come back for the Colts, the Colts are probably in that realm of potentially trading. I think Zach Moss is probably a guy that you could get for cheap. Now, at the other side, the other realm of the Zach Moss is, is as he just hit like a hot streak, he's shown, he's not really shown consistency over his years. He would be a guy that I, I think is an upgrade from a Travion Williams, mm-hmm. but I don't know that is going to really like move the needle. Yeah. And then I guess the other thing about the Colts though, and their situation is that, so when I was curating my list or when I was looking at players, I was also looking at the teams that aren't entirely out of it yet or who aren't noticeably going to sell. Now, I know the Colts did lose Anthony Richardson for the year, but this is also a team that just went toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow with the Browns, who have been pretty decent for... Um, they should have beaten the Browns. Season. And they should have beaten the Browns. And they beat the Ravens in week three, I believe. I mean, this is a good Colts team that, you know, I, it's probably a long shot, but, you know, they're not... They're not out of the playoff race by any means. So I just don't see them sacrificing anybody when they could very well potentially make the playoffs this year. Deontay Foreman was another one from the Bears. Uh, Again, a guy that hasn't had a lot of touches, just had a really big game against the Raiders over the weekend. The guy also, I mean, we we talked about Samaj P. Ryan. We talked about him at length last week. I I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of reasons. The guy that I would love, but I don't think that uh, the team would trade him to the Bengals, but I think he would be a decent enough fit, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think he is an interesting free agent target because of the LSU connection. One too, yeah. uh, and I think he'd probably be one of those guys that would be in kind of like that tight end deal realm as far as a one-year prove-it deal. He'd probably come a little cheaper because I know he has a great relationship with Jamar Chase because you have the uh, the video of him after the AFC championship game of him like giving a hug to Jamar when the Bengals won it and tell him he's going to be great and everything. And you've got to imagine he's got a good relationship with Burrow as well. I, I can't imagine that there's any chance the Chiefs would trade Edward Solaire to the Bengals because why would they want to do something that would make one of their potential, you know, one of their biggest rivals for potentially making the Super Bowl again. Why would you want to make them better? But he's an interesting guy. Again, I don't think that there's any shot. I think you're probably right as maybe the guy that would maybe make the most sense. But there are multiple uh, interesting guys. I don't think it's going to happen. But also in the running back realm of not a trade pickup, but I'm curious on your opinion. Guy who's sitting out there is Leonard Fournette. See, 
I'm kind of looking for the running back that offers a change of pace to Joe Mixon. If I see Leonard Fournette is just another Joe Mixon, who's a little bit, little bit bigger. I mean, and he actually might not even be much bigger. Actually, I think Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's is in probably the 90 plus percentile of size of running backs. Um, but yeah, you don't really see Leonard Fournette offering that change of pace role that I think the Bengals need, and I think that's where. I don't see them really signing him. Um, but Let's yeah. shift, Let's shift shifting gears end. and talk, talking about tight end. You had a guy that is, it is very interesting for the tight end that I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't on the Darren Waller hype train, um, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, suggesting for Hayden Hurst to come back. My tight end that I think, and I think this might be the most feasible trade that they do because they could probably get him for like a conditional, probably one of the comp- conditional uh, six-round pick or seventh-round pick is uh, Austin Hooper, backup tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the one thing I like about Austin Hooper is that he has been consistent. Uh, he provides that more prototypical build at the tight end position that I have, you know, it, that that's been my biggest, like, problem with Irv Smith is that Irv Smith is on the smaller end of tight end. Six, he's like 6'2", 220 pounds or whatever. Uh, Austin Hooper, 6'4", 255 pounds. Definitely more in that Uzama and a Hearst kind of build. And Hooper's had track record of success in the NFL uh, with his best season coming in 2019 with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, now, he hasn't really repeated that success in later years. Um, but if we're looking for somebody that is one cheap, who isn't gonna, you know, who isn't gonna require a lot of draft capital to give up, and somebody that would, I think, would be a, an immediate starter within the offense, and Joe could actually somewhat trust, I think it is Austin Hooper. Yeah, I mean, you're you're selling me on that because I think the trust word is really big. Because Burrow is a guy that really wants to trust his receivers. You see that. When in doubt, who does he go to? Jamar. Yeah. Who does he probably trust more than anybody else on the team? Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. And you're even seeing some of that trust wane a little bit with T. Higgins. You just do. based on those on those drops. And Herb Smith, you can tell there have been multiple times where I've been at a game and you've seen him. Oh, Joe, uh, there is Jamar Chase. He is he has seven DBs on him. And there is Irv Smith running down the seam wide open with no one within 35 yards of him. And Joe's going to throw it to Jamar. Yeah. And and now that's a problem. But I think that's why I think the tight end position is so important for the Bengals to make a move for. Because, listen, I know everybody brings up Tanner Hudson. And don't get me wrong. Tanner Hudson is probably a great person. He's had a couple of great moments. He might but be there's the a best reason. tight end on the team right now. I mean, and that says, but it's but really there, saying something. There's also a reason why he's on a practice squad. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, they got to find some way to do something to make that better. A couple other names that I've heard bring up Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently on the IR with a quad injury. That's something that, you know, I think would probably do a, a little red flags there for he the Bengals, especially even with be him available being available if I had, uh, I think that you you can work around some of that. I I don't particularly know. Uh, He's got $5 in dead cap. 
or they'd have to pay him 10 mil next year. So that's where I'm, I, that again, raves another, uh, uh, another red flag there. Hunter Henry is an interesting guy from the Patriots. Again, the Patriots probably still think silly enough that they can make the playoffs when we know that they, they, they don't really have a chance, but those are a couple of the tight end names that at least somewhat make sense to me. I know Tommy says here, so, receiving wise uh, Hudson's probably the best on the team, but as an every game, game starter, he's iffy. And I, I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. The problem with Hunter Henry is he still has $25 million. In, well, how much money does he have left in guarantees? I'm seeing $25 million. Or no, he's also on the younger end. Or was twenty five million in guarantees? I'll have to pull his, it up here. His average APY is twelve point five million. I just don't see the Bengals going for a guy as expensive as Hunter Henry is. And again, I I, I don't disagree with that at all. Who were some of the other names that you were looking at as far as uh for the for the Bengals as far as the other position groups? Yeah, so uh, the first position group... Hunter Henry's I, contract, too, I believe, is out this year. So It is out this year, but, I mean, you would think that they would have to probably pay for a good chunk of the uh, remaining portion of that contract, which... Seven mil? I take that's it. Too they, much. they have the third, yeah. third most cap space. I, I'm, I'm jumping all over it. I would not. Um, so, position group. Um, so we have not been particularly pleased with Cordell Volson's play in 2022 or 2023 thus far. Um, and this guy would provide, uh, either some depth or even an immediate plug and play starting, which I think would be more likely if they did trade for him. And it is on interior offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. Lloyd Cushenberry. Does that name ring a bell, Sam? I do know Lloyd Cushenberry. So, for those of you that don't know, Lloyd Cushenberry has been starting with the Broncos since 2020. He's been fairly durable in his NFL career. And there is a roster connection with Lloyd Cushenberry as he was Joe Burrow's center when they were playing together at LSU. Uh, now, the Bengals don't necessarily have a need at center. But as I just mentioned before, they do have a potential need at left guard with but, uh, Cordell. But they Wilson do have a need off. if Ted Karras gets hurt. Yes. Yeah. And, all, and like I said, he, he provides a, a depth piece to the offensive line that they could very well need. Um, and also, um, I think he might be a potential free agent target coming up here next year because I think Ted Karras has got one year left on his contract, maybe. Correct. So he could be a potential free agent target and they and they move him to the interior. Obviously that connection with Joe or that, you know, that experience with Joe uh is intriguing. So I yeah, and Tommy just mentioned Denver's having a fire sale. Um if they're being accused of overpricing players, I think they'll quickly learn that they if they want to get anything out of these guys, they're going to have to Adjust to the market rate. I can't imagine that there's any guy on their team right now that's really going to get that much. I think Sertain will probably pull in a a decent price. Jerry Judy would be an interesting, and I'm not saying these guys for the Bengals. I just think Jerry Judy would be an interesting one as to what he could pull. I mean, that's the thing is it's like uh, has done this. Uh, Riley writes in and says, 
Volson has improved week to week, but definitely not playing where he need to be. Karras will probably be gone. He'll be aged out. I I, I do th- agree with the Karras point. Volson, though, Mick, I, I, Cushenberry would be an interesting one because he would be an immediate upgrade at that left guard position, something that the Bengals desperately need right now. Yes. Moving on. Another starting position where the Bengals desperately, desperately need Is this your Nick Scott slander coming? Yes. Is at the strong safety position that Nick Scott might least he might be my least favorite starter in Bengals history at this point. Wow. Um even above La- Lavernius Coles? The position No, I, I like Lavernius Coles still. That's uh you know uh no Nick Scott by far takes the cake here. Uh I hell I'd even take Trey Wayne's the Trey Wayne situation over Nick Scott. Uh Man, any any guesses as to who I'm going to say here? A safety? Yes. Gosh, I I who? Xavier McKinney of the New York Giants, Alabama. Alabama. Xavier McKinney is an immediate plug and play starter and provides a lot of experience at the position. He is graded very well per PFF throughout his NFL career, constantly grading in the 70s, which is probably about double the grade that. Nick would Scott that price be, be too to much? So the, the price might be a little high there. The, and I would say probably third or fourth round pick. Probably, I, I think I think they could get him for a fourth if the market's pretty soft on Xavier McKinney. But he's a free agent after this year. He's not making a lot of money. Uh, you know, the, the Bengals wouldn't have to pay him a lot for the remaining portion of the year. Uh, and then also, like, Former Bama alum, he could be a, a, a fairly decent mentor to the current uh, Bama alum on the on the depth chart, which is Jordan Battle. So uh, the only uh, you know people thought the only thing I looked initially is that durability may be a concern, but hell, he missed last year, but it wasn't from a football injury. He uh, got injured uh, on some type of ATV accident, so. I don't know. I think this this would be my like if if they went out for Xavier McKinney, that would be. I don't know if I I could be any more hyped this season than than you know other than you know seeing them get some uh, have some success late late in the season. But I think uh, I just think that would be a great trade for them. Who are your the other guys on your on your trading list then? So As we one, inch closer to probably moving on and, and getting some talking about the uh, 49ers yeah. game coming yes. up on. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of go through two of these guys, the, these last two guys fairly quickly. So uh, one one position group that I'm kind of disappointed that there's not a whole lot of depth, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, is the linebacker position. Um, now, you do have your two starters in Jermaine Pratt and and Logan Wilson. And then, you know, you've got some depth pieces with Marcus Bailey, Joe Bocci, ADG, but ADG also hasn't been uh, fair, hasn't been that healthy this year. So one guy I really liked was Josie Jewell, the linebacker for the Denver Broncos. And then another position that um, I think can use some depth is cornerback, especially in the nickel, uh, the nickelback position. I don't think the Bengals really have a good backup plan for Mike Hilton, uh, which I think he was out for one of these games this year, right? Was Mike he out Hilton? Was no, he I out? think he, 
last year he missed a couple of games, I know. I think he was... Cardinals? I'm talking about this year. Yeah, I, I, I thought he might have been out for the Cardinals or maybe the Titans game. One, yeah, so anyways, the uh, the the trade candidate is a former Bengal. Do you have any guesses, Sam? Because I don't think you're going to get this. A former Bengal? He is a former Bengal. He played on the team in 2015. 2015 cornerback. So he's old. He is old. He's like 32 years old. Oh, well, then right there's a red flag on it. Who well, is this he? is a one-year rental as a depth piece. So, uh, Leon Troy, Hull? Troy Hill. Troy Brown. Or Troy, Troy Hill, that's right. Cornerback for the Carolina Panthers, who's graded very well this year. And also, we talk about a roster connection. He uh, he played with the Rams for a few years while Zach Taylor was the coach in L.A. So, uh, provides good experience. It'd be a good depth piece, nickel corner. Um, yeah, I think, and that's also like, we talk about the Chris Smith trade. Uh, that would be like a Chris Smith level kind of trade. I think other than the fact that, uh, Troy Hill is, is fairly old. I think it'll be interesting though, as a whole. And I think we said last week that none of us, I know when Tommy was on with us, none of us expected the Bengals to make a trade. Mick, will the Bengals make a trade? I would say if we're giving percentages here, I would say there's like a 95% chance that they do not make a trade. I like that percentage wise. Because I I, I don't know. Now does, because I mean, you look at the Eagles, the Eagles have been wheeling and dealing, you know, they, they already made the trade with the, uh, with the Titans. I, I don't know. I, Here's here's the follow up question though. Should the Bengals make a trade? I think they should, and especially and and I know Tommy didn't like this opinion last week. He, he doesn't think the tight end would make a, a difference, but I think having a good, trustworthy, uh, you know, tight end, somewhat like a Hayden Hurst, or as I mentioned before, an Austin Hooper, would make. Uh, I think could make a very good difference in the offense. You know, obviously, as we mentioned before, Joe Burrow doesn't have that trust in Irv Smith. I don't think Irv Smith's skill set projects well to what the offense is trying to do. And Tanner Hudson's not the answer if you want to have long-term success this year. So I, you got you got to go out and find somebody that that's going to make a difference there. I completely agree. Uh, the trade deadline is Halloween. So by the show next week, we will know whether the Bengals decided to make any trades or not. We'll have to dive into that. Who knows? Maybe we'll have another lengthy discussion about uh, some rumors or or whatever it might have. You know, what didn't come, what happened. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to go because the other topic that we'll be kicking off next week's show with is recapping what we're going to see on Sunday afternoon as the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals take on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it'll be a 425 game on CBS. Nance and Romo are back. Bengals get Nance and Romo. Uh, on why the couldn't this be a home game? Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, so wow. you don't have to listen to Romo. Uh, and then you've got... Uh, uh, I don't know, Sam. I don't know. If this is on the case one t- if I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I hear it. Like five times in the case in the in the uh, 
throughout the broadcast. I, I don't know what Chase I'm going to do. Chase is on the case, though. I He's always it. open, and Chase is on the case. I hate I hate the Chase is on the case moniker. It's awful. And, and then the other thing that uh, is, I don't really know that it's a storyline, but it's one that we should mention is the official is Ron Torbert. Oh, and that might course, be worse than Tony Romo. Of course, Ron Torbert uh, has two out of the last three games that he has officiated for the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year's AFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, and then he also was the official for the Ravens playoff game last year. Also, an interesting thing, and and yes, and I don't know for a fact, but I'm about 95% sure that he was also an official when the Bengals and the Rams had their joint practice and Aaron Donald tried to murder someone. So there's something about Ron Torbert and the Cincinnati Bengals. And again, I don't, I don't know whether that's thing. So you're saying he was the official for the Ravens playoff game. He was. No, I, I do not agree. That had to have been a Ron Torbert imposter. If that was Ron Torbert, then Tyler Huntley definitely crossed the goal line and scored <laughs> that touchdown. And, you want me to be? I, I'm kind of agreeing with Tommy and Cameron here. I, I don't mind Romo. I don't. I used to really like Romo uh, when he first started out as a play-by-play guy, but he has gotten so gimmicky over the past couple of years. And maybe it's because like I haven't really noticed it, or I don't think he's very good at covering the Bengals. I don't think he really knows what he's talking about in regards to the Bengals. Whenever you know he gets to call their games or whatever, uh, much unlike like how he how he uh, does with like the chiefs where he, he has a lot more footage or he's, you know, he's seen a lot more games and he actually knows what he's talking about. So I wonder if it's maybe just a Bengals thing with Romo, but I've just and, been kind and of I off could, by him. I couldn't disagree with, more with Riley too. I think Collinsworth I disagree with Riley on this. Yeah, I think Collinsworth, Collinsworth is good. gets it's so good. much black for, for no, no reason. reason. I just don't think they like his voice. They don't like his nasal. Well, they don't voice. like it because he doesn't go all in on on talking up the Bengals. Because for post part of that is for a reason. Because he's a former Bengal, he doesn't want to have to listen to the other team being like, "Oh, well, there he is talking up the Bengals because he used to play there and he lives there and so on." But again, we're getting off topic. Let's get into this game. Uh, let's. I want to start this uh, this now with the injury report. Usually we end it, but I think it makes more sense to start. With the, with the injury report. For the Bengals, ADG, we touched on him a few minutes ago. He did return to the rehab field today. That tells mm-hmm. me, not this week, he'll be back against the Bills. That's yeah. what that tells me. Uh, barring any setbacks or anything, another guy that should be back against the Bills is Charlie Jones, which will be good to have him back. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. was limited today. I know he was ex- he's expected to play on Sunday. So that's, that's the Bengals injury report. You know what? And if we are... In late October, and you've got two guys on the injury report. That's that's pretty decent. Pretty now, Josh Tupo was on there, but he was full practice, and so was Devin Harper. He was full practice, so I, I don't even really go into oh, mention those. I was so worried about Devin Harper. I know. I I was. I, I knew you were wanting to break out your jersey on Sunday, your Devin Harper jersey. For we him. have we, Devin Harper provides the role of a uh, of the classic Sean Payton, Greg Williams linebacker, where he goes into the Stupid other Stupid po- things. He does. He goes in the opposing team sidelines, and he and he shows people business. You know, for the 49ers, couple big ones: Debo Samuel out, huge. Trent Williams 
is questionable right now. He did not play against the Vikings on Monday and did not practice today. Now, I don't know how much I read into the did not practice today, uh, because even if he was coming off the injury, he probably wouldn't have practiced with this. Uh, And then the other guy that technically we have to mention because he was on the injury report was Christian McCaffrey. He was full today. I, I don't even know why they put that on there. He played Monday. I'm sure he's fine. But then the big one that came out this afternoon, Brock Purdy, the starting quarterback for the 49ers, entered concussion protocol today. Now, concussions are weird. Mm-hmm. Concussions are one of those things he could come in tomorrow and pass concussion protocol. I hey. uh, appreciate you watching, Andre, for the first time here. Yeah, for uh, sure. thanks for watching, Andre. And he could pass it and be ready to go Sunday. There's no way of knowing. Yeah. More than likely, this means, though, that Sam Darnold, or even do you know who the, the 49ers' backup quarterback is now? The guy you were wanting to trade for during the preseason? Brandon Allen. Yeah. Could they roll out Brandon Allen to start against the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday? I highly doubt they would trout they would they'd trot out Brandon no. Allen to do it. But uh you know, crazy. So Sam Darnold is more than likely gonna start. And we'll talk about the the 49ers offense here in, in just a few moments. Tommy's on my side. Brandon Allen. <laughs> Uh, the injuries, though, are a huge story. They are. They are a huge story. Now, um, crazy as it sounds, and I've talked about this with you before the podcast has uh, started airing this evening, you know, usually when a uh, backup quarterback has to play, that's a huge deal. I don't think that's necessarily a huge deal against the Niners, given who the Niners have as their head coach and offensive play caller. Uh, you, you know, you've seen Shanahan throw out backup quarterbacks before and the offense hasn't really missed a beat ergo pretty much all of last year. So anybody that's thinking, oh, wow, the Bengals, you know, we're going to, we're going to knock, you know, we're, we're going to knock Niners socks off because Sam Darnold is going to have to start. Um, I just don't agree with that. Uh, I, I I don't think the Niners' offense is really going to miss anything with with Darnold being out, or with Darnold being out there, or with Brock Purdy being out. So I guess we can start with Bengals' defense against the 49ers' offense. We can we can start start with that aspect. And I mean, when you're talking about that, and you mentioned the 49ers' offense, you know, we can talk about the quarterback position, but to me, it starts with one guy. And it is maybe if if you honestly could ask me to if if the Bengals could trade for one guy today for free. It, it'd be tough to pass on Trent Williams, but mm-hmm. I think it would honestly be Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who my guy would be as to oh, it's who we Christian McCaffrey for. would probably, probably be on your list, though. I, I do like Christian McCaffrey a lot. He, he, is a, he is a complete NFL running back who... I think he's when healthy, he's leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else at the position. Um, and I think the Bengals are going to have their hands full with Christian McCaffrey now. Well, as I said uh, before, that's when Christian McCaffrey's healthy. Christian McCaffrey doesn't seem like he's necessarily healthy, even though they are going to obviously play him on Sunday. Um, he's dealing with what type of injury is he dealing? He's dealing with an oblique injury. That doesn't sound fun. 
I feel like you really need your oblique when you're when you're playing running back. I don't know about you, Sam, but I think that's uh Do you know you where your oblique is? That. Like your uh your abdomen area. It's like your I, I I'm saying this. I see I, I, I thought your I, I thought your, your oblique was like your thigh, isn't it? I don't know. No, your it oblique might sh- is, it, it might know, shock our side. listeners, but Mick, we we are not doctors. No, I'm not I I don't know much about the human anatomy. Uh but an oblique sounds. You are right. Good. You are right. It's the waist. Oh, there we go. So I guess uh, we, yeah, in in that realm. But I can't imagine that. Uh, look at that, R- Riley. Of course, knows. Uh, we need knows to get. We're going to have Riley on as our medical. As our uh, medical expert. expert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other big story about this is that they don't have Debo Samuel. Yeah, um, that's a big story. And uh, I, has he been out? I think he's been out the past two games, right? The offense just hasn't quite Correct, looked yeah. the same. And you know that 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 kind of speaks volumes as to as to how much Debo means to the offense. Now, I still think even with Debo being out, they have a very good um, they have a very good uh, a very good skill position players. They have yeah, a very good I- unit of skill position players. Brandon Ayuk might be the uh he might be one of the most underrated wide receivers he is in the NFL. ranked number 2 out of all wide receivers in PFF grade this year. Yeah, and he's never talked about in the no. realm of being one of the one of the best guys but yeah, no uh, no Debo Samuel on Sunday as well. I draft Brandon Ayuk in fantasy to a fault, Sam. I have him in like 3 out of my 4 leagues. I need to make it 4 out of 4. I like Brandon Ayuk. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to talk fantasy football. I, I, I do have to, to talk myself up in first place. Six oh, I don't. I'm not going to talk myself up in our league. My team's hot garbage. But uh, yeah, because you make more pickups than you have made more not, roster moves. More position players like, yeah, I'm not going to mind moving on. From you have, Daniel you have picked up Jake Moody more than any man has ever picked up and released Jake. It feels like every day I check and you've either released or, or, or picked back up Jake Moody. Yeah, uh, and I can uh, talk about Jake Moody because there is a connection today. Because I think you released Jake Moody prior to this game. I guess that means that you're not confident in the 49ers kicking. Um. Yeah, so I try to I try to do like an you know I look at the offense of the team and I look at the opposing defense, and if I think they're both fairly evenly matched, that usually screams to me. Well, a lot of field goals could be kicked in this game. Ergo, I applied that philosophy last week in a few matchups where I picked Dustin Hopkins against the Colts defense, and he got me like 25 points. And what's interesting is, is that I saw that in the fantasy league that we are in together, two people put in a claim for Dustin Hopkins for the kicker for this week. And it was and only, I did not get him. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, oh, thanks a lot, man. I don't even so remember I, who I picked up instead. Uh, well, you got rid of Jake Moody, I remember. So. Uh, but let's let's talk about the Bengals offense against the 49ers defense because I found some interesting things here about this. So for one, Mick, the Bengals rushing offense, how many broken tackles do they have this season? Can I count on one hand? How many tackles have they broken tackles have they had this season? Do you have a number? I'm gonna go with six. Yes, you can count on one hand. Oh, two. Two. Oh, my gosh. That is tied for last 
in the NFL. Two. Two. Now, let's be fair. Joe Mixon has not been a a breaking tackle artist. It has never been his MO when when football. Two. It's really bad. That is really bad. Uh, A couple other interesting stats that, that I had. The 49ers defense, really good. We'll name, talk about some names here in a second. They're the second most penalized defense, though, in the NFL. And then for as good of a pass rush and pass rusher that they have in Nick Bosa, they blitz the fifth fewest times in the league. I mean, uh, percentage-wise and blitz percentage. So when we're just talking about names on this 49ers defense. I mean, we we could just keep naming name after name after name after name. But it starts at the top with maybe the best edge rusher in the NFL. I think on any given day, he could be that guy in Nick Bosa. Yeah. Um, not not too great of a matchup for, a play, for Orlando Brown to walk back into after uh, rehabbing from his groin injury. Um, yeah, the Bengals are going to have their hands full with them. And if we talk about, you know, I think, what'd you say? You, you think he's number one out of your edge rushers, you would think, in the league? Yeah. On any two. given day. Probably number two. Miles After Garrett's Miles. in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, TJ Watt Parsons. is in that conversation. It's Micah Parsons. That's probably your top four. Is and I think you could make that order on any given day. You know, it's tough to not put Miles Garrett number one after what he did last weekend to the Colts. But I think on any mm-hmm. given weekend, you could put there is not a team in the NFL that would not cut off an arm to have any one of those four guys. And we have seen how this offensive line has responded this year to elite defensive linemen. And it, they have not responded well at all. Now, They've responded the, the rather fair, poorly. The fair point is, is most offensive lines respond that way when you're going up against guys like Bosa, Garrett, Parsons, and so on. Yeah, but we're not talking about you know, most NFL teams here, we're talking about a team that we thought or we, you know, we still think could make some noise in the postseason, potentially make the, make the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, you, you want your team to be great. You need, you need the offensive line to have game plans that will work against these type of guys. And they haven't done that this year whatsoever. Now, maybe, maybe we see something change. Maybe they waken up in the maybe they woke up in the bye week. I'm actually very interested to see is this offense going to have somewhat of a new identity against the Niners this week? Because I think you mentioned post bye, and I think that's an interesting storyline as well. Because two of the better offensive performances over the past couple of years have come post bye. Last year at the Steelers, mm-hmm. you know they scored what 37 against a good Steelers defense on the mm-hmm. road, and then the year prior. They scored a lot of it in the fourth quarter, but against the Raiders, they dropped 31 on them on the road. Now, that game was ugly for the first couple of quarters, and then Joe uh-huh. Mixon really caught fire in the fourth quarter, but still. Was that the Khalid Kareem strip, or was that that's the Broncos? That's Broncos. Game? That's the Darn. Broncos game. This one was 31-13 or something like that. It was pretty much mm-hmm. a domination for the Bengals, but it was close up until that fourth quarter where they really blew it open. So you're looking at the past two two times after the bye, the Bengals have had good bi-week performances. And ironically enough, this is the third straight time that the Bengals have had to go on the road post-bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, of these of those three teams, the 49ers are far and away the best team out of those three. Uh, then the, the 2021 Raiders, the 2022 Steelers, or this year, the 2023 49ers. 
really good team. Uh, but is there something to that? I, I don't know. It, it could just be coincidence or not. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's probably just coincidence right now. But, uh, you know, and, and I guess we didn't really see a new offensive identity against the Steelers. You just saw them executing at a much higher level than they, you know, than they were doing prior in the season. Um, but yeah. And then Burroughs kind of attitude or comments after the Seahawks game makes me feel like maybe this offense is going to start to wake up permanently because I think Joe's, I think Joe Brian Callahan's obviously voiced his frustrations. I think the offense is pretty frustrated with the way they perform in the first six weeks of the season. And they don't expect to be playing like that. Uh, you know, in future weeks. So, yeah, I don't know. This is a, this is a big game, though. It's because it's, uh... I think when you're looking at it, I think really you are going to learn the Bengals' season in the next four games. Mm-hmm. That's going to be got... it's the most crucial stretch of the season. I think. it is. It is. You're at the Niners, which you know. It, it, means something and means nothing at the same time because since it's an out-of-conference team it's not going to come into tiebreakers or anything like that so you can almost put that one off into the own category but then you have a home game against the bills because the Bengals still have not won a a non a afc game this season Mm -hmm. you know all three of their wins have come against the nfc west and then you're home against a texans team that looks pretty good, pretty good. You know, they're, yeah. they're playing pretty solid and then on a short week you go to baltimore who is looking as good as anybody right now so you're lurking in that fo- in that four game stretch here i i think to me Bengals want to make the playoffs they need to go two and two they want to yeah. win the division they got to go three and one yeah yeah definitely agree the schedule at least lightens up a little bit throughout uh you know after these four weeks you know, you got games against the Colts, the Vikings, which, you know, they're they're still pretty good football teams, but they're more beatable than uh than you know the four teams we're about to play. Um but yeah, this is probably this is gonna be your most telling stretch as to what type of team and what type of season the Bengals are gonna have this year. Because I think if the Bengals lose on Sunday, it is not the end of the world. No. It is not it, the end of the world. You're three and four then, but I think it then almost turns into a must win on Sunday again, uh, next Sunday against the Bills. Yes. 100%. Uh, and then honestly, I think then that Ravens game becomes a must win as well. Because it's going to be tough to drop to 0 3 in the division again, especially because the Ravens are looking as good as they are. Uh, tough schedule. Yep. It's a tough schedule. That's what you get when you win the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's just, just how it happens. Make your keys to the game on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna sound like. Let me guess. I've got a different pressure. Edge rushers. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about offense first. Uh, So, you know, this is probably going to be. It's 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 a debatable topic of whether this will be the best defense they play against this year, Uh, because the Browns they also played the Browns and you saw how they played against the Browns. So, you know, the key to the victory for the offense is that. They got to trust Joe, and Joe's got to start cooking, and uh, and also T. Higgins needs to be unlocked in some way, shape, or form. You know, that's where I'm wondering if we're going to see a new identity with the offense. You've seen a lot of this quick, short passing game, uh, 
uh, and it's not necessarily a game that Joe Burrow likes to play. He likes to throw the ball downfield. He likes to trust his receivers. And I think T is going to have to get going, and maybe this will be the game for him to get going. So I'm going to say T. Uh, Joe and T are probably the biggest factors, uh, keys to victory in the offense, and also finding some way to manage the Nick Bosa pass rush situation, which it's not just Nick Bosa also in the pass rush. There's a lot of other uh, fairly good pass rushers on the uh, on the Niners. Two names that, that, that don't get talked about nearly as much, Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. Uh, they're, you know, the, the Bengals interior offensive line is going to, is going to have their hands full with those two. Uh, yeah. but so defense, uh, you guessed it pass rush. So it kind of bodes well that Trent Williams may not play on Sunday. He's still questionable. Uh, but really the biggest weakness is in the interior offensive line, which, you know, DJ reader is going to have to do what DJ reader does um, in order for the defense to have success. So I'm going to go pass rush Joe Burrow T Higgins, biggest keys to victory. All those guys playing well, by the way, (laughs) Tommy asked the question, will we see drew sample in the backfield again? I think so. I think that'll be something that you're going to see until they potentially Unless they get a third down back, I think Drew Sample is going to be the third down back as far as your pass blocking running back as well. And I use, obviously, quotation marks on that. Yeah. Uh, One other concern I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, not really a key to victory, but I am kind of concerned with, you know, we haven't been that great in coverage this year. Um you know, grading wise, and you kind of see it on the field too. Now they've had moments of, of greatness uh, in the Rams and the Seahawks game and against good wide receiver units. But I just wonder how much, you know, how well adjusted this Bengals coverage unit is going to be against Shanahan's play calling. So I think that might be uh, an interesting thing to see how they play. Right now, the line has dropped. I think it opened up as Niners by six, if my memory is right. I just checked, and it is now Niners by three and a half. That line has really changed over that, which to me, when a home team is favored by three and a half, I pretty much read that as kind of a pick is what Vegas mm-hmm. is saying, at least right now. The over-under, 43 and a half. I think that's pretty solid. As far as, yeah, as the over-under? it's so hard to pick on that one. And see, uh, I'd probably uh, stay away from that as well. But, Mick, it's the time everyone's been waiting for. Oh, no. Our picks for the week. The Bengals play the 49ers on Sunday at 425 p.m. Nansen Romo on the call on CBS. It's the big game of the week, the national game. It's nationally televised. Uh, Pretty much as long as you don't live in Chiefs country, you're going to get the game on CBS. Mm -hmm. Mick, who you got? San Francisco 24, Cincinnati 13. I don't think this is going to be a very good game for the Bengals. Uh, I think that their the San Francisco defense is going to suffocate uh, the Bengals offense, just given what we've seen from the Bengals offense so far this year and given how good the Niners defense has been. 
And then I just don't know if I trust this Bengals secondary against Shanahan's play calling. Um, you know, given all the preset motion, all the, the matchup nightmares that Shanahan creates, even with the backup quarterback in, that's still a, uh, I still think that's a very difficult matchup for the Bengals to, to achieve success in. Tommy says 1916 Bengals in overtime. Frank is picking the Bengals to win. Lindsay, I'm sorry. She says she's, she is the Chiefs game. I'm, I'm sorry. Oof. I'm sorry. That's, that's uh, rough. That's Stream rough. East. Not going to say the exact browser, but Stream East. Wait a second. Are, are, we, are we talking illegal things on this podcast? Do I have to put no. an explicit? Uh, Riley's picking 20, 21-20 Bengals. I, uh, picking? Niners 23-16. Okay. So fairly similar scores we got. Going. Fairly similar score. I think it'll be a... Burrow will have a chance to go down and tie, and I think we're going to see Bosa take over. Okay. And, and Bosa will be the difference, whether it's a strip sack or just just the pressure becomes too much. Uh, wow, me. Listen, I Mick picked the Bengals to lose, too. Don't just throw this one on me. My goodness, Josh Isles. Oh, did we throw uh, out a, a did we throw out a shout out to Josh today? Yeah, well, yeah, we do want to make sure that we want to thank Josh uh, for allowing us to stream over on his WDN Today page, uh, and also on the Jungle Juice pages as well. Bob writes in and he says Bengals twenty seven sixteen. Uh, Andre says Bengals by seven if we protect Burrow and T shows up twenty four seventeen. So I, I like. I like these. Listen, We've I like the confidence very from the optimistic comment section here. I listen, I do like the optimism. It, it, and we're the uh, Josh says you guys picking against us is going to give us the juice we need to win. Well, we have the, the jungle juice, juice. Jungle juice. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I I guarantee that Joe Burrow is watching this right now and he's just seething mad. He's seething mad just watching us. Hi, Joe. I'm sorry. Let, let us haters be your motivators, Joe. Listen, if if. If it would make you mad enough that I have to pick against you every single week, then I will take that one for the team. I will take that one for the team. Josh says, uh, pun intended on that. Frank is going with Bengals 24-17 against the Niners. Um, again, reminder that you can uh, follow us on our Facebook page, Jungle Juice. You can go for that. Uh, you can follow Josh on his page, WDN Today, on Facebook. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, Jungle Juice. You can watch the show over there. We are also streaming live, or not live. We are also podcasting on all of the, your podcast platforms. Mick, we are no longer popular in France, but instead, we've moved up to Belgium. I look. So, I love welcome that. To our Belgium fa- friends, Taste of Belgium is delicious. So maybe oh, that's so uh, good. I haven't been is. in a while. Uh, there's one right there by Paycor. If you've never, if you're coming downtown for maybe the Bills game or something, and you've never been, that, that's a good place right there. I'm speaking I, directly I, to Riley, Taste of Belgium this weekend. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. But, well, you're not going to be here. <laughs> uh, but that's a great place. Uh, as well, so make sure that you can. Uh, I guess Riley's right. <laughs> Belgium is just Dutch France. I guess that's that's right. We're sorry, our 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 friends, our friends up there. But make sure that you uh you can follow us wherever you want on your uh, favorite pa- podcasting platform and listen to the show that way. Belgium is just Dutch France. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, any closing thoughts, Mick? 
no uh thanks for watching everybody and uh who day hope we see you win this week yes i hope so hopefully they can prove us wrong and we'll actually have a happy show next week uh regardless big game coming yeah. up in uh, a week and a half as well I, I i've had this sitting in here just waiting to use and i guess i deleted it i thought i had my there it is looking forward to this too as well in a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. stripe the jungle uh mick and i are in the black territory there in good old section 306 so make sure that if you're going to the game that you can uh find which color to wear for that uh but that'll look forward to uh that'll wrap us up though for this show for this week so until next wednesday at 8 p.m eastern time that'll wrap us up for jungle juice who day who day thanks for watching guys